Let the church say amen. Amen. Let the church say amen again. Amen. Amen. One for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's a truly a delight to be in the presence of God's saints. And just to see your smiling faces, once again, it's evident that God has smiled on us. Hallelujah. It's good to be on top of the ground rather than living six feet below. Amen. Uh, so we are uh, praise be to the Lord that we are here today, and I'm glad to bring the word of the Lord to us even here today. Uh, so, you know, as we even get into our message today, I have a question for you. What is it that you want to be known for? What is it that you take pride in that people know about you? Do you want to be known as the person who's perhaps the best baker? Do you perhaps want to be known as the person who's the most handsome or the prettiest among you? Or maybe you want to be known as, like me, you want to be known as the best offensive lineman that this world had ever seen. <laughs> no, it was just me? Okay, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Uh, how you are re remembered in this life says a lot about who you are and where you spent your energy trying to put into this life. But you see, my fear is that we often put a disproportionate amount of energy into things that have no eternal value. You see, we won't always be able to do the things that we love, whether it be singing, whether it be baking, or whether it be taking a walk or running marathons. It won't be always the best looking. You won't always be the fittest or the most beautiful. And we put a lot of energy into doing things that this world will say is commendable, but maybe we should consider what characterizes a commendable life to God. That's right. Amen. For our time today, we will go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we will read today from verses 1 through 3. The book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. But God's word is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. First Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. You have to say amen. Amen. You need a second. Say, hold on. All right, we are there then. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter one, verses one through three, and it reads as such from the English Standard Version: Paul, Sabinus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord add a blessing to the hearers, readers, and doers of his holy and sanctified word. 
For a thought today, I want to talk to us about the commendable life. The commendable life. A life that's worthy of giving thanks for. You see, while on his second missionary journey, we find that Paul has landed in the city known as Thessalonica. You see, the context for this story can be found actually in Acts chapter 17. So while he is there in the city, we see that he begins to work to make a living for himself. Then on the Sabbath, on Sunday, you may call it, Paul would teach and preach with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Jesus Christ to suffer and die, then rise again from the dead. Upon hearing the good news, this gospel, we are told that many Greeks, prominent women, and some Jews will come to believe in the gospel. But yet other Jews would become jealous. They would become jealous to the point of persecuting Paul and trying to kill Paul. With the Jews and the jealous uproar, Paul is run out of the town of Thessalonica, leaving the believers to face persecution all by themselves. And even if it meant death, Paul truly desired to return to the Thessalonians, to continue to teach them because he had worried that those who had been converted, would they remain in the faith? So desperate to see how they were doing, Paul sends his buddy Timothy to go check on the Thessalonians and see how they are doing. When Paul and Timothy reunite, bearing the report of what's happening here, Timothy tells us what has become of this church in Thessalonica. And rather than giving into the persecution, the Christians there are actually thriving. Paul rejoices to find out that they're still standing in the faith. You see, while they are standing, though, there is no doubt that tough things are coming at them. So Paul gives the Thessalonian Christians a way of thinking about themselves that will enable them to stand with certainty in the adversity that they experience. The letter opens up with thanksgiving to God because with the persecution and suffering that came, there were three things that remained about the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians Christians were marked by their faith, their hope, and their love. This morning, that's the key idea that I want us to walk away with. The commendable life in Christ is marked by faith that works, a love that labors, and a hope that endures. A faith that works, a love that labors, and hope that endures. First point. The first mark of faith that works. You see, Paul recalls all the commendable things about the Christians in Thessalonians, and the first thing that comes to mind about him is the work of faith. But what is this work produced by faith that he is speaking of? How is it that what is how does their faith work itself out? 
You see, before continuing, I think there's a, a point that needs to be made here for a distinction lest we become confused. We ourselves do not produce faith. Rather, it is faith that produces works. Faith is a gift from God. Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 says, It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Furthermore, the ordinary way in which God the Holy Spirit operates and gives the gift of faith is through the preaching of the word. God could have used any means in the world to communicate the gospel. He could have used the angelic beings. He could have used supernatural, supernatural uh, phenomena. He could have used special revelations. He could have used the rocks to cry out. But God chooses to work through the proclaimed word and the power of the Holy Spirit to give us faith. You see, evidence is seen all through our passage even here today. And we see the same coupling of the word of God with the spirit going to work to give faith. Verse 5 says that our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. It is through the word that God gave the gift of faith. So it will only make sense that the Thessalonian Christians would imitate what they have seen. Their work that was produced by faith is the work of proclaiming God's word. Paul even testifies to how this faith worked in them and through them. In chapter 1, verse 9, we come to find out that the work of faith has turned them from idols to serve the living and true God. And this faith works in them, turning them from idols. This faith works through them and it's proclaimed to others. Yet this work of faith comes bundled with much suffering and shame. Chapter 2, Paul tells us that this faith brought upon him shame and suffering. And Acts 17 details all the persecution that they were facing and would have to endure the shame and suffering they don't have to do as they proclaimed the word of God and did this work of faith. You see, at this point, they would endure even to the point of death. Yeah. All through the story of the Thessalonians, they are reminded of there are people who were there at the beginning when they first heard the gospel that are no longer with them because they had been killed for this work of faith. For proclaiming the good news. You see, at the point of death, humanly speaking, it's completely understandable to back away from any cause if it's going to bring death. You see, like flowers, flowers are something beautiful, right? They're, they're, they're worth planting, getting a little, little dirty for. They're worth growing and talking about and making sure that they're sustained. That even they're worth sharing with one another if you're not allergic to them. But there is something about flowers that they're not worth my life, though. You see, at the cost of doing all this, cost my life, even death, there is something that has to be inherently divine about these things for me to give my life to them. For this type of devotion 
there has to be something special in this. But this faith, this faith that we have and that Thessalonians have, is not like the flower that fades because it is rooted in the word that is eternal. The faith of the Thessalonians is worth the work. The faith is worth the work of turning from idols. The, this faith is worth the work of doing and sowing the seeds across the entire region of Thessalonica. This faith was worth cultivating and growing across the countries of Macedonia and Achaia. This faith was worth the work of talking with others who were even from different cultures, regardless of their ethnicity or their social class. This faith was worth persevering, so God works in and through them. It is the faith that they shared with one another. And it is this faith they lived for, and it was this faith that they were even willing to die for. And the, for those of you here today who profess the same faith in Jesus Christ, that he lived the life that none of us could live, but died the death that we deserve, who was raised again victorious from the grave, and will return for us one day, might encourage you with the words of Paul from Philippians chapter 2, to work out your faith with fear and trembling. Amen. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You see, a great way to practice this is to uphold the proclamation of the word even in your services. Keep the word at the center of what you do on Sunday. Whether it be what you sing or what is preached, Keep the word at the center. Proclaim the word week in and week out. Outside of these walls even. Would people know you to be men and women of faith because of your proclamation of the word? Take time to pray that the Lord will give you boldness and opportunities to share this faith. Take time to ask about this work of faith in the life of one another. Do you see this work taking place in your fellow brothers and sisters? Pray with one another that you will have these opportunities. Since we should reflect well on our work of faith. You see, although our faith may be small in some cases, it should still work. Amen. Even faith the size of a mustard seed can speak to the mountain and cast it into the sea. But does your faith often fail before men here on earth? Ask others, do they actually see your faith work out, or does your faith often fail? Because if your faith is one that flees before men here on earth, it will fail before God in heaven. But this faith works out here on earth with love, which points us to our second mark of the commendable life. A love that labors. There in our passage today, we see that the Mark Samadhi's is a labor of love. You see, love represents the ethical outworking of righteousness given to us by grace through faith. It is the outward expression of a new life in Jesus Christ. You see, Paul summarizes to us in 1 Thessalonians the application of love in his own life in the lives of Thessalonians. You see, the original word translated to us is labor. 
It denotes a love that is united with toil and trouble, with hardship. It is united with hard work. This is not the common picture of love that we are often used to seeing. We're used to witness uh, in the movies a different picture of love. You know, it's love at first sight. It's the easy love. It's kind of the love of you know two people skipping down the beach, holding hands together. It's this type of love that is often pictured to us as kind of an easy coming, easy go. You don't really have to work for it. It just kind of happens type of love. And this is what the world will love you to believe, this type of princess and prince charming love. And if you ask some people if what love is, they'll probably tell you it's when you really, really, really like something. Well, if that's the definition of love, then I love bluebell ice cream. <laughs> I really love bluebell ice cream. But my love for ice cream can't equate to the same commendable labor of love that is being talked about here. Godly love that Paul is talking about. See, when Paul recalls their example of love, it is tied to labor. It is tied to hardship, to endurance. We see how they lived. If you look in chapter 2, verse 9, in, in 1 Thessalonians, we read how Paul and Timothy labored and toiled among them. They worked day and night, and that they might not be a burden to them. Paul cared for them as if they were their own children. He encouraged them. He exhorted them. And as good imitators, the Thessalonians followed their example. He commends God for their labor of love because of how it is exemplified towards others and the other brothers in Macedonia. You can read that in verse 10 of chapter 4. Paul will continue to brag and say that he has no need to write to them about their love because they're already doing so good at being and showing brotherly love towards one another. It is evident in their lives that they have labored to love all to the best of their abilities. And he doesn't have to even say anything about love. He says, you are already doing this. But yet, in chapter 3, verse 12, he says, I know that you've already been loving, and I know that you're doing this work well, but my calling to you is to love more. They've already given their lives. They've already done this labor and all this hard work, but his calling to them in chapter 3, verse 12, is to love more. He tells them that it's not that you're not loving, is that you should just be increasing in love. Their labor of love must continue to increase because this is the way of the Christian life. Luke 2 tells us that even Jesus Christ himself increased in wisdom and nature and stature and in favor with God and man. Family God, our love must be increasing and on the trajectory of the Christian life. Even Paul himself in Philippians chapter 3 he says that I press toward the high mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 tells us that we are all being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 7 through 8 says that increasingly in Christ our godliness is to be submitted, supplemented with brotherly affection and love. Beloved, we, do not, we have not reached the heights of our love towards one another. 
Until we finally behold Jesus Christ, the one who first loved us, we have not reached the heights of our love towards one another. But let's be honest, family. It's just us in the room. It's hard to love people sometimes. It's hard to love folks sometimes. What we come to see of Paul and the Thessalonians is love of Christ is this labor. Is this is a labor of heart. And it's full of headache, though. It's full of hardships. The hands are blisters. The head begins to hurt. The body begins to fail. And you just come to the end of yourself. It is a labor of hands full of hardship. So even now, I want to encourage and exhort you. Old Missouri Road family, you, your love has already gone forth. There's no doubt about that. Even I myself have been a recipient of your labor and your love. And I have felt that even over my life. I felt your love towards college students at the University of Arkansas. I've heard of your love towards one another, how you have cared for the sick and the needy among you, how you care for the single mothers, even here in Springdale, by even offering something simple as an oil change. Your love has already gone before you. You have already labored in this love. And I've heard the stories, and I don't even have to say anything because your work goes before you. But my exhortation, my encouragement to you today is to continue to increase in your love. Continue to increase in love and pray that the Lord will even make you aware of areas where your labor and love can increase. Where is it that you can point others to Christ that they might be able to work out this faith as well? You see, it's hard to labor in love. And we understand that this is difficult, but the calling is still the same. Continue to increase in your love and your brotherly affections. You see, our hearts and hands will become very weary by this work. And rest assured, family of God, we can, we can persist in this labor of love as long as our hope endures. Which brings us to our third mark of this commendable life, a hope that endures. Beloved, I invite you, come and see the hope of the Thessalonians. See where their hope lies in this chapter. You see, like fine China, their hope is set in the safest places. It is set, in verse 3, it says, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians must live in hope because of the reality of their present circumstances. They so often stand in direct confrontation and contradiction to the promises of God. And, you know, as we follow Christ, we think the Christian life should be just an easy road from here on out. But actually, it's actually full of, like we've talked about before, it's full of hardships and struggles and work. You see, the reality of Thessalonians' hope is that it's based on two things. The reality that God has victory over evil and he has raised Christ from the dead, conquering death in his resurrection. And it's set in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Thessalonians are often reminded of how their loved ones were killed because of their hope in Jesus Christ. Whenever they put their hope in Jesus, they found that the world would become a more dangerous place. But their eternal home will become more secure. Hallelujah. 
We know this is to be true because scripture tells us that this is even the same path and the same way in which our Savior will walk. Isaiah 53 tells us that it was that our Savior was wounded and it was by his wounds we are healed. The trials will come, but John 16 says that he has overcome all the trials of the world. And yes, death would find him because one day he would have to die on an old rugged cross, bearing the weight of sin upon himself and shame upon himself. But death could not defeat our Jesus Christ. And as 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14 says, we believe that Jesus Christ did die, but he rose again from the grave. This Jesus, who is victorious over death, will return for us one day. With those who have fallen asleep and those who are still awake, we will behold the glory of our Savior for all of eternity. This hope of the Thessalonian Christians is set in the safest of places because it is set in the Savior, Jesus Christ, who has endured all and will continue to help us endure through all and will cause us to live well. But may I ask you here today, what do you put your hope in? What, you, what do you put your hope in? Do you put it in something that will last? Do you put it in something that is eternal? Or do you put it in something that is worldly? To some of you in here, you actually may not be a Christian. That is okay. You may not have repented and believed in Jesus Christ. I'm glad that you're here with us today. But I want to plead with you for just a moment. I want to beg you to put your hope in Christ. Be careful where you set fine china, if I can use that illustration. Be careful where you put precious and fine things because wherever you set your hope has to be able to endure the troubles of life and the judgment of God. Where is it that you put your hope? Is it in yourself? Is it in your own strength? It is in your reputation at your job? If these last 365 days have showed us anything, is that we have a lot of heartaches in this life. We have a lot of downfalls. We have a lot of sickness. We have a lot of things that do not go our way. But rest assured that Christ has seen the troubles of his children. He knows what's going on. He's not blind to our suffering. And to you, non-believer, he's calling you to turn from your ways, turn from your idols, and put your hope in Jesus Christ alone. Would you put your hope in him? I invite you, if that's you today, I invite you to talk with me after the service. I'll be at the back during the last song. Uh, I will invite you to come talk to me. I would love to talk about what does it look like to put our hope in Jesus Christ. But for those of you who would say that, yes, my hope is in Jesus Christ, I encourage you with just an old, old spiritual that we used to sing growing up, hold on just a little while longer. <laughs> hold on just a little while longer, and everything is going to be all right. Yes, we have lost loved ones, and we grow tired of the spiritual warfare, but hold on just a little while longer and everything is going to be all right because one day we will be able to take off these old war clothes that we have on 
We will be able to exchange our breastplate of righteousness and faith for, and our helmet of hope for rose washed in white with the blood of the Lamb. And we will stand before the throne of God and we will shelter in presence with our refuge and our king. We shall hunger no more, neither shall we thirst anymore. For God shall wipe away all of our tears from our eyes. And the Lamb will guide us by springs of living water. And God will wipe away all of our tears. Because our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. We dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust and lean on Jesus' name. And when darkness seems to hide his face, we rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, our anchor holds within the veil. Our oath, his covenant, and his blood, they support us in the overwhelming flood. When all around our soul gives way, he then is all my hope and say. Because when we shall come, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may we then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sin. All other ground is sinking sin. Family of God, if this is where you stand, your faith will work, your love will labor, and your hope will endure. So tell me, what is best to be remembered for? These earthly things, what is best to be known for? Faith, hope, and love in Christ Jesus. Let us pray as we get ready to sing. Father, what greater love is this that man would lay down his life for a brother? And we have seen this love in Christ Jesus. And our Father, I pray that we would continue to live and abide in it. So Father, teach us your word that we may work out our faith with fear and trembling, but also cause us to endure in the hope and in that, Father, we ask you to petition you to come, Lord, quickly. Oh, come. Father, we ask this in your darling Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.